And our good friend, Mr. Al Bat. Good morning, Al, and Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everyone. I uh, I started off the New Year, you know, we all have those. Whether you believe in superstitions or not, there's certain things you kind of like to do. My wife opens the door and lets 2023 out and 2024 <laughs> in. And, and I... When I get out of bed, I put my right foot down first, which um, I think I usually put my left foot down, but I put my right foot down (laughs) to start the year off on the right foot, and then I say rabbit, rabbit, and I try to do that the first of the month. It's just kind of those goofy things. If you say rabbit, rabbit before you say anything else on the first day of the month, it's supposed to bring you... Uh, good luck for the rest of the month. So I, I hope that works. And does, it has so far. Does it work better than a rabbit's foot is what I want to know, or would you double up on those two things? I've never been a rabbit's foot oh, guy. Okay. You know, I, just always, <laughs> I always felt sorry for the rabbit. Yeah. Thought, Boy, he didn't bring that rabbit a whole lot of good luck. <laughs> so it's, it's easier just saying rabbit, rabbit. Yeah. And I talked to a, a, a young, oh, boy, I'd say eight, maybe nine years old, and she says bunny bunny at oh. the first of every month and i said do you remember and she does and she says and i make my mom and dad say it too so it gets out it the hardest thing about saying rabbit rabbit on the first day of the month before you say anything else is to remember to say it before you say anything else cause ah. it's just too easy to say good morning or uh, greet the cat or do something else other than saying rabbit rabbit i put out some sunflower seeds this morning and the chickadees and the blue jays were the first to the trough. Uh, the crow was the first bird I saw on uh, New Year's Day. And when I see a chickadee, the whole world becomes a chickadee. The, the bird causes me to become lost in the moment, which is a great thing. A chickadee at this time of year might eat 35% of its weight each day, and a blue jay only 10%, but they both need more calories on colder days than on warmer ones. And these uh, black oil sunflower seeds are great uh, calorie uh, producers. So, And I watched a blue jay do blue jay things. I'm not sure what it was doing, but I realized that blue doesn't do the handsome bird justice. It should have a name about 27 words long to describe it. And my wife named her Tula, but the yard turkey, it's a wild turkey hen, doesn't care. And I watched the turkey chase the crows, rabbits, and squirrels about the yard. Uh, Turkey hen's gone wild. I'm going to make a video. (laughs) She's serious about her one turkey stampede. The squirrels, of course, they climb trees to end the pursuit. They go up just far enough and then wag their tail at the turkey. The rabbits, they hop away madly. Uh, Crows, they appear to take it as a game of tag in which they will never be it. Uh, Male crows are generally slightly larger than the females. I have one, uh, there's six that are always, always seem to be in my yard. One's a bit bigger than the rest, so I'm assuming it's a large male. And it was a chilly day when all this chasing was going on, so then the turkey had to take time to preen and use all five to 6,000 of her feathers. And I was thinking a Canada goose, a turkey looks like it's just nothing but feathers, but a Canada goose wears twenty to 25,000 feathers. 
And Wantula, the yard turkey, is in in a particularly foul mood or perhaps a particularly foul, foul mood or a foul, foul mood. She even chases the starlings. And the starling is always just like, why are you chasing us? We're just little birds. But uh, she just uh, loves chasing things. I enjoyed reading Birding a Cornfield County. Birding a Cornfield County. It's by written by a friend named Wayne Fetter, and Wayne is from Blue Earth. It's a lovely book chronicling the author's Year of the Bird in Faribault County in 2018. I first met Wayne when I was in high school, and he was a teacher. I had him in a, a study hall. We had, uh, I was 243, this huge study hall where everybody made it sometime during the day. And I sat way back by Wayne. I, I have no idea why I was way back by him, but I was, and he was a good guy. So I'm, I'm uh, very happy to have known him and to know him. I spoke with Mar- Mario Benassi. Uh, Mario's a guy I know. He lives in Haines, Alaska. He used to live out in Colorado. And when I was in uh, Alaska a while back, he showed me his red-tailed hawk. And he's a falconer. Mario's a falconer. So he uses this 2.6-pound raptor to hunt rabbits, grouse, and ducks for Mario and his family's winter table. And I enjoyed visiting with Jim Wright. Jim Wright is a writer, which is... uh, perfect you know i'm under if he was if his life's path was determined by his name jim wright and jim is from new jersey and he and scott weston co-authored a swell book titled the screech owl companion everything you need to know about these beneficial raptors and i would i would add and then some little screech owls are all bills and, and eyes. They're just cute little birds, and Jim's book is its a wonderful thing. Uh, Fritz Bush, he writes for the New Alm, New Alm Journal, and he wrote about the New Alm CBC, the Christmas Bird Count. Uh, Brian Smith was the compiler, and Bob Beck, they did it on December 16th. Bob Beck said he's been birding more than 50 years, and bird populations are significantly less than 20 to 30 years ago due to habitat loss and chemicals. But he said any day is a good day to get out and look at birds. Uh, The Christmas bird count in New Alm is the Minnesota and Cottonwood River Valleys. It's more than that, but that's kind of the prime area. They had a record number of rock pigeons, Eurasian collar doves, morning doves, downy woodpeckers, hairy woodpeckers, red-bellied woodpeckers, red-tailed hawks, dark-eyed juncles, common red poles, and the second highest ever number of house sparrows and black-capped chickadees. So they set a lot of records. They had pileated woodpeckers, American kestrels, brown creepers, cooper's hawk, uh, American robins, barred owl, purple finches, northern flickers. They had one mallard, a sharp-shinned hawk, a rough-legged hawk, a northern harrier, eastern screech owl, great horned owl, myrtlin, and a single northern shrike. 
the birds seen during the bird count week but not included in the totals were belted kingfisher and red-breasted nuthatch. Chuck of Albert Lee got a hold of me and saw a American white pelican by Frank Hall Park on Albert Lee Lake. Hawk Ridge said they banded over 2,700 raptors this year, including what this would be in the fall, just in the fall, 2,700 raptors, including 1,169 owls. They had uh, Swainson's hawk. They banded a bald eagle, which there's a lot of bald eagles, but they don't typically catch a lot of them to band. They had American kestrels, merlins, peregrines. They had long-eared owls. It's a wonderful place, and they also banned songbirds. They banded uh, in the fall. They banded Connecticut warbler, black-throated blue warbler, gray catbirds, rose-breasted grosbeaks, and Swainson's thrushes. Uh, Gracia Johnson of Neritzen heard and saw trumpeter swans. Jane Agerdahl of Fairbolt said there were thousands of geese on the open water of Geneva Lake, 35 trumpeter swans that she saw, and hundreds of ducks. Chad Hines saw a canvasback, a redhead, ringneck duck, hooded merdancer, and American coot on Lesur in Lesur County. He also saw a sharp-shinned hawk in Blue Earth County. Andrew Nyhus was in Mower County, saw a hooded merganser and a common merganser. He saw a brown-headed cowbird in Freeborn County. Uh, Brian Smith saw a cackling goose and a cooper's hawk in Brown County. Craig Mandel, a common merganser in Steele County. Uh, Craig Mandel also saw a snow goose, greater white-fronted goose, cackling goose, trumpeter swan, northern shoveler, redhead, ring-neck duck, and a merlin, all in Waseca County. So lots of great birds being seen out there, a lot of waterfowl, because there was more open water this year for a lot of people to look at. And the Raptor Center, it said it's official this year, this past year, 2023, was the third highest patient census in the Raptor Center's history. And that, they had 1,035 patients, and they might have added a, a few because that was, there were still a few days left in the year when I heard from them. But that's amazing all the good work they do there. Heard from a listener, said, and I know we talked about this probably a little while ago, but said, why don't turkey vultures stay here all winter? They look tough enough. <laughs> well, they, yeah, they kind of look, you know, they're one of those birds that look tough and wimpy at the same time, like most people. They just were kind of that way. Uh, you know, why doesn't your brother-in-law, Herb, stay here all winter? <laughs> you know, Herb needs to go to the lower Rio Grande Valley and learn how to make stained glass windows. Uh, there are likely turkey vultures in that stained glass window class with Herb. Um, I'm kidding, of course. Turkey vultures migrate to avoid challenging environmental conditions and resource limitations. Um, Herb does something similar. Uh, birds require more energy to maintain their body temperatures when it's cold. Food resources become scarcer in the winter, uh, 
forcing turkey vultures to move southward where it's easier to survive. And they're scavengers that feed on the carcasses of animals. In the winter, if you think about it, reptiles, amphibians, and some mammals hibernate or go into torpor, which means they're not laying on the road or, or the ground somewhere dead. So that means there are fewer, fewer food sources for vultures. And the vultures will return in the warmer months when carrion doesn't freeze. The increasing deer populations and the rising number of vehicles on highways certainly helps turkey vultures as the combination of deer and cars lead to more roadkill for more vultures to dine on. If roadkill went unfrozen during the frozen part of the year, would vultures stay? I would say, given a definite might, they might stay here in the winter. Uh, the Cherokee Nation called them peace eagles, based on their resemblance to an eagle from a distance and the fact that they don't kill their prey. So peace eagles. I just heard uh, from Kathy Paulson from Geneva, uh, Kathy and her husband, Daryl. Uh, Kathy said, our three girls gave Daryl a Woodlink squirrel diner along with a bag of peanuts for Christmas, and so far the squirrels have not been able to figure out how to get at the peanuts <laughs> that are located inside the feeder. That's kind of tough when it's a squirrel feeder. And they, they can get into every other kind of feeder except the one that's meant for them. Said, uh, Kathy said, Daryl has watched the squirrels go to the feeder and try to get the peanuts out through the openings in the feeder that have a plastic sheet covering the openings. The idea of the feeder is for squirrels to lift up the cover of the feeder and take out the peanuts. The feeder is supposed to help keep the squirrels away from the bird feeders, which most generally are made of wood, which allows the squirrels to gnaw. Their incessant chewing is what keeps their teeth sharp and short. The information sheet along with the feeder says all Woodlink squirrel feeders temp tease and provide squirrels with diversions which occupy their natural tendency to play. But I wonder how long it will take for the squirrels to figure out how they can get at the peanuts. This winter we've had a number of woodpeckers coming to our feeders, mom, pop, and the younger ones, and really enjoy the suet that Daryl has outside. We also have one big blue jay visit us often, too, along with the little birds. Happy New Year, Kathy Paulson. Well, thank you, Kathy. It's great. To, you know, I squirrels figure stuff out. I don't know what what's wrong with your squirrels. They need they should have stayed in school, is what I'm saying. And kids out there, this is stay in school. That's well, what all this is teaching us. Well, I wanted to talk about squirrels with you, too, because I started feeding the birds again. You know, I didn't don't usually during the summer, because there's a lot of food and stuff, but hey, we have this old can, this old garbage can. It's a metal one that we put the, the bird seed in, and it's very old, so apparently they don't mind if it's really old seed. They still eat it, because, you know, with, for us, we'd be like, oh, this is rancid, but they're still eating it. And so I was joyously watching so many chickadees and sparrows and all sorts of things, and I was so proud because the, the feeder had been staying full so we thought oh good the deer haven't found it and then the next morning it was yesterday morning my husband said oh shoot I bet the deer found that and he goes but I don't see any tracks you know there was a little snow and I said well could it be squirrels well sure enough in a few moments there they were eating all the the bird seed out of the bird feeder and boy can they down it fast and the birds <laughs> apparently 
don't like the squirrels because they were all staying away as a squirrel was there in their feeders. I have I have them on a, a metal pole, but they can jump from the tree next to it onto the feeder. So I don't think, you know, one of those slinkies that some people put on the pole would matter. So now that they know that it's there, because apparently they hadn't figured it out, can I do anything to, I guess, try and just get bring back my, my birds again without those little varmints getting in there? Yeah, they... Um the easiest way is a baffle of some kind. Um, I've never tried the slinky, but I've heard from a lot of people that it works. Uh, baffles look like those uh, saucers, those plastic saucers that we used to slide down the hill on. And those work pretty well unless there's a place where the squirrel can jump from a tree limb or something Which, and they're still going to get on. Yeah, because that's the problem because they can jump right from this big tree right onto that and so I don't know that there's anything I can do anymore except for, I don't know. <laughs> I'd uh, go to the store as soon as you get done with work today, buy 47 more feeders <laughs> and poles and put them up everywhere. Okay. And then put seed in all of them. Okay. And there won't be enough squirrels probably to go around. So <laughs> oh, then the birds will get one. The squirrels will have 46 because there will be like 46 squirrels oh. will come in. But you'll still have one. And then you'll get, just think of the exercise, just going around <laughs> every day to every one of those. You know, it, it'd be, that would pay for a gym membership right there and just go around and feed them. It, you know, you might put up a couple feeders so it would kind of scatter them around a little bit. Uh, I I feed the squirrels. I put uh, you know I live out on a, a rural area, farm area, so I I have corn, so I throw out some corn for them, and uh, I never get a thank you note or anything, but I get to watch them, so I guess that's thanks enough. They are tough. I watch blue jays out here. Blue jays dive bomb them. Oh. And the squirrels just, the squirrels flip their tails like cats do <laughs> when something's a little irritant, but they're just going to ignore it. And the squirrels are tough competition for one main reason. They're a mammal. They have teeth. And uh, that just makes it tough to to have much of a dispute going on with a squirrel because they'll bite you. How about so that's the problem with squirrels? How about if I put like pepper flakes or something? Would that deter the squirrels? I mean, because I don't think the birds can probably maybe I'm wrong taste that, but would that bother squirrels? Do you think, or do they not care or notice either? I have again. I've heard from so many people that that works. I oh. had a seed company send me some pepper treated seed and oh. asked if I would just try it out and I tried it out <laughs> and apparently my squirrels just love uh, like little salsa on their seeds because they ate it with great gusto. Oh my. So, But I have heard from uh, oodles of people saying that that works. The, it has a little fire in it, and the squirrels say, oh, that is, you know, because they don't have milk. You all know when you eat something hot, you got to have milk or, or ice cream, and squirrels have neither of those, so they uh, they find it off-putting. But it where doesn't bother the birds. It, it doesn't bother them. Oh, okay, no. that's good to know. Hey, speaking of birds, I just got a call. We just got a call, and Dwayne sent me this message. The caller was wondering if the reason turkey vultures are around is that they can't fly when the air is warm. Um, 
Yeah, they can fly. Uh, you know, you, if you get out on the East Coast, you see them there flying when it's hot and when it's cold. So they can do it. But you, you're right to one point where the hot air thermals, those rising thermals, turkey vultures find those the best way to travel. They just get up there and they can lock their wings in place and they can soar going around and around on those hot air thermals. So in the winter time, they'd probably be missing a lot of those. So travel would be a little harder for them. They'd have to flap a lot more because the way it is now, they're going up there like a hybrid. So they're just not burning much fuel at all. But in the winter, with the colder temperatures, they probably wouldn't be able to ride those thermals as much. They'd have to flap more and burn more energy and get less miles per gallon. And their that little light that comes on, guys, you all know that light. Ladies, you do, probably do not. There's a light that comes on in your car when your fuel level is low. Uh, and I, don't ask me how I know about it, but it does come on, and that would be coming on with the turkey vultures more often. So they're probably better off in uh, hotter areas where they can get those thermals. So that's a great mm. point. Okay, good to know. Somebody just got a text. Somebody said, I know a barred owl's call is described as, who cooks for you? Who cooks for you all? What does a... Great horned owl, say. Oh. Um, a gr- great horned owl is a, it's hooting, is who's awake, me too. Ooh, 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 <laughs> And they do that over and over and over. They don't, you know, a barred owl, they'll get kind of wacky and go off on this sort of, I don't know what they're doing out there. Monkey calls, they have all kinds of things. <laughs> And they can make that you all. They can just stretch that out. But the great horned owl just pretty much does that same hooting. And if you hear them hooting at night, which we're getting in that time of year where they'll be hooting, the female's voice is higher in pitch than the male's. The female is bigger than the male, but his voice is lower. So you can uh, hear them at night. I've... uh, been in bed listening to great horned owls call back and forth and he will call and then she'll call back and it's uh, like two teenagers on the phone you know do you do you, st- do you love me yeah i love you do you really love me i, re- I really love you or okay i gotta hang up no you hang up first we've, we've all been there gone through that so I, i'm thinking that's what the great horned owls are it's a pair bonding thing where they're they're maintaining contact just saying i'm i'm over here in the big oak tree now well i'm still here in the maple tree that sort of thing and it's it's pretty neat to hear they're beautiful birds uh, speaking of that, I got an email from somebody who said, why would a bird sing in the winter? Yeah, you know, it's it's not easy keeping your energy level up. Why would you sing? Well, to declare and defend a feeding territory. You'd say, this is mine. You all stay away from here. They may sing to communicate with others or to express vitality and energy. And as the days lengthen, 
which signals the approach of the breeding season, they sing to attract mates and as part of the courtship process. And I typically hear the black-capped chickadee singing a clear, sweet Phoebe or sweetie starting in January. So we'll be hearing them now. And if this little bird sings springs here, it's speculating at this time. It's just, it's hopeful. It's a hopeful bird is what that little guy is. See, hey, before oh, before you go, we've just got a, we've got a text that I got to read you from our friend Jennifer and Lily. Hello, ma'am. Oh, Please ask the bird guy about talking birds. I have questions, exclamation point. Why can some birds learn to talk, but others can't? Is it a brain thing or a vocal cord thing? Do birds even have vocal cords? If two birds both learned English, would they talk to each other <laughs> in English? If a talking bird were released into the wild and it encountered wild birds, would it teach the wild birds English? Thank you, Jennifer and Lily. And before I go, you answer all those. P.S. Lily wanted you to know that we saw a turkey vulture at the aquarium in Duluth last week. Smiley face. P.S. Again, my husband, a contractor, would like to know if you have any tricks for keeping woodpeckers off of cedar siding. Boy, there's a lot of questions there, so I don't know if you want to start with about the talking birds, Al? Sure. There's uh, some birds that uh, talk and some do not. As far as vocal cords, they have a, they have a different, they have syrinx that uh, works like our vocal cords, uh, but they can make uh, several sounds at the same time. So there are certain birds that have the ability to mimic, and we do have some of them here, brown thrashers. Sometimes we get a northern mockingbird in here and uh, starlings. Uh, starlings, I, I know several people have a starling, and they've taught them to talk. Uh, there was a book written, and I'm going to forget the name of it, about African gray parrots. And then there was all kinds of things written about that book. And I remember reading something from somebody said that the parrots talked back and forth in English and seemed to know what the other one wanted. But to them, it was a sound, probably not the word so much. But some of the birds are so smart and there's a lot of folks studying them that believe they do kind of know what they're saying when they ask, you know, the old Polly wants a cracker, that kind of thing, that Polly wants a cracker. It knows when it says that, that it'll get a cracker. So it it does understand a bit. They, uh, they, why don't all birds talk? I guess they're not all meant to talk. You know, we have raptors that are hunters that prey on rabbits and things. And then we have a little chickadee here that uh, just is not capable of doing that, so it preys on caterpillars. So a lot of birds are meant to do what they do. I'm glad you got to the Duluth Aquarium. I love, I like the zoo up there. I just like all the stuff. Duluth is a pretty town. As far as woodpeckers, oh gosh, you know, people put linseed oil, they put that wood putty in there, they hang plastic over it. It's just a, it's a battle because woodpeckers have one thing on their mind this time of year is to find to find food and very often in those voids and shingles and things or cedar shakes there is food behind there so they will peck on that trying to get at it 
and I'd be happy to talk a little bit more next week about that, uh, Jennifer and and Lily. And if I forgot one of your questions, hit me up with it again, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it next week. But I sure appreciate your questions, and I appreciate you for listening. Thanks, everybody, for sitting on the front porch uh, with us. You know, not everyone is meant to be a Minnesotan. Friends and neighbors, they flee to the welcoming arms of warmer temperatures found in Texas or Florida or Arizona. My wife and I, we stay here and eat Lessa. <laughs> she presented delicious, I love Lessa. She presented delicious Lessa to five grandchildren around Christmas. She didn't force them to eat it, and they didn't eat it. Only one had tried Lefsa before, and the other four proved to be cautious eaters. I told them it was potatoes, butter, and sugar. They like all those things, mm-hmm. but they purposely forgot to sample the Lefsa. And I didn't add, <laughs> try it. You might like it. How do you know you don't like it if you don't try it? I didn't add that, because I'm okay with them not eating Lefsa. That means there is more for me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I appreciate you very, very much. Enjoy your company. Remember, Heartland as well, we're driving past. Get out there and do something wild today. Take a look at a bird. Thanks, so, Karen. You appreciate bet. You. Hey, and by the way, if you would have sent Ludafisk versus Lefsa, I would, I would take Lefsa any day, but Ludafisk, I would say no. <laughs> oh, left. I, I stopped at a friend's place, Phil Morim, and he. Uh, we were looking at his black squirrels, and he gets Lud- Lefsa delivered. So that's how much he likes Lefsa. Well, Ludafisk, no. Lefsa, yes. It has sugar. Okay. I'm with you. <laughs> Thanks, Al. Bye-bye. I'm with you. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.